Thank you, Miss Cindy. And uh, if you have your Bibles this morning, I want to just give you a little thought that I hope will be helpful to you. And I want to just say a word. I thank God for Tiftonia Baptist Church. When I say that, I'm not, I am thankful for a building. I'm thankful for the campus that we have. I'm glad that the children are able to go over into a gym building. I'm thankful for the facilities here. But I think we live in a day where when someone says, I'm thankful for a church, we equate that to buildings. But I'm not equating that to buildings. I'm equating that to people. The church is people. It's a group of people that have voluntarily joined themselves together to carry out the work of God in this world. And I thank God for Tiftonia Baptist Church. You say, are we perfect? Far from it. Right, church? And you certainly don't have a perfect pastor. We don't have any perfect people here. But I know this, we have a perfect Savior. And uh, I thank God for our church. And I want to just say, if you do not have a home church, you ought to have one. It's a sad day when someone's homeless. And I know I've shared this with you before, but I'm from a little small town in West Virginia, Hinton. Uh, and uh, very small. Never seen a homeless person. But down here, they're pretty common. And when I first got here, I had to adjust myself to that because I'd never really been around that. And I even questioned, are they really homeless? And I thought, how sad. But you know what I have learned that's even more sad than that? Someone that don't have a church home. And homeless from a church. And I want to say, I couldn't imagine trying to live in this world without a, a family, a church family. So I want to encourage you, if you're not a part of a good church, I encourage you to be. Amen. And uh, we would love, we're thankful that you've joined us today. And if you don't have a home church, hey, we'd love for you to come and visit and continue to visit with us. I want you to notice Luke chapter 2 is a very well-known pastor scripture during the Christmas season. And um, obviously, uh, obviously, the reason why is the Christmas story. Luke chapter 2 just kind of flows, doesn't it? And um, I'm not going to read the whole passage. I think the children and all the workers depicted that very well. We know about the taxation. By the way, the taxation was divinely ordained of God to get everyone there in Bethlehem to the place of their origin. And I thought about that as they spoke about a little baby being put in a feeding trough. Not being ugly, but you know, we live in a day where cleanliness is like godliness, amen? Uh, some of you might understand what I'm saying. I'm not trying to be ugly, but you know, some of you older people, you know that you don't know how to raise children anymore. Do y'all know that? You know, you ain't supposed to feed them off the table. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And, uh, you know, look, my dad taught me the dirty you are builds up your immune system. We used to go out and play out in the dirt. Now, man, it's like, oh, don't let my little boy touch this. Well, he's a boy. Let him, just let him waller in it. It's not going to hurt him. We live in a day. Could you imagine, moms? Could y'all imagine now laying your baby in a feeding trough? I can see it now. Some lady, oh my goodness, never, not my little child. Right? I'm glad that he was put in that manger. You know what that's a picture of? That's a picture that he came for all people. He humbled himself, even as a baby. So they depicted that well. And by the way, we give that innkeeper a rough time. You know, we say, well, he just didn't want him in the room. Well, he didn't have a room. <laughs> he was booked up. 
But he was still being as kind as he could be to that family he offered his barn. So they at least had something over their head when baby Jesus was born. I think all of that's beautiful. So we know the story. We know that the shepherds, and by the way, I don't know what your view of those shepherds are, but shepherds in that day was not like the most kingly people of society. To be fair, a lot of them could be convicts. A lot of them were hired hands. They weren't top pillars of society, you might say. Yet I love the fact that, that the angels gave them the heavenly concert. And that tells me that God, again, loves all people. And I'm, I'm glad to know that because I just want y'all to know I'm just an old sinner. So the picture of the Christmas story is beautiful. And then as we think about this, we know that when the angels came and gave this announcement to the shepherds, we also know that then the whole, heavenly, the whole heavenlies opened up and the Bible says they were joined by a heavenly hosts and they started to sing and they started to give uh, an announcement. And I, I think today I want to look at the announcement because I believe that this has got something for us today. So if you'll look in verse 10 of the gospel according to Luke, the Bible says, and the angel said unto them, who? The shepherds. Remember, they could be convicts. They are definitely not the top rung of the public society. But he said to these shepherds, fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, what shall be to, y'all tell me what that next word is, all people. No one left out. No one left out. Then I want you to notice in verse 11, the Bible says, For unto, would you all read this word with me? What's that word? You. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. What a message. Heavenly Father, I pray you'll speak to our hearts this morning. Thank you for your word. And Lord, we'll ask that you bless all the children, all the workers. I pray you'll help them to have a wonderful time over there in the gym. Lord, we're thankful for what our ears have heard, our hearts have felt. Now I pray that you'll speak to us and help us even more on this day. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If we're not careful, the older we get... I've noticed something. If we're not careful, events, things, and sadly even people will start to lose their dynamics in our life. Now, let me explain. I'll never forget when I was a little boy growing up in church, we always had a Christmas play. It was a special time of year. Couldn't wait for it, and then we always had a special time. And then, of course, as a child, of course you're excited about Christmas because you have one thing on your mind. You can't wait to get under the Christmas tree on Christmas morning. But I've learned something. The older I've gotten, especially being in ministry, if I'm not careful, I'll just start marking stuff off of the calendar and say, whoo, we finally got past that. Things start to lose their dynamics. By the way, I'll never forget the very first Christmas play that I heard while I was in Bible college. I'll never forget it. 
1996, when I attended Bible college, I came home for the Christmas break, and I went to the church I grew up in, and they had maybe eight or ten children in the play. I've heard much, we had many more here as far, and the, the music was louder, but I'm going to be honest with you, when I was there that morning, I was so excited, I believed for the first time really in my whole life, God had worked in my heart, He had called me to the ministry, I was in Bible college, so when I came home, I was so excited, everything was so dynamic, and everything was personal to me. Man, those children, when they sang that morning or that evening in that Christmas play, I had heard children sing all of my life. But for the first time, that Christmas and that play became so very special to me. And I grew up in a church where you didn't hardly say amen. There was holy, hardly a holy grunt. But I got so excited and listening to those children that night, I could not help by myself but to get a little I was blessed in my heart. And so I want to make sure now that I'm 49 years of age, when I see a Christmas program, I don't want that just to be another program. But see, if we're not careful, we're here today, no matter where you are and how old you are, but if you've seen many Christmases, many times what will happen is it will lose its dynamic. It will lose the dynamic. You know why? Here's why. Nothing is dynamic until it becomes personal. We live in a day where we want to get the personal off. We love to hide in crowds. We love to not be seen. We don't, we don't want to make things personal. But do you understand dynamics of life is when things become personal? Think about this. Don't forget the best. That's the message this morning. Don't forget the best. See it. Jesus Christ coming to this earth was just not a historical event, although it is a true historical event. No one can deny the fact that there was a child born in Bethlehem, the Bible tells us, but not only does the Bible tell us, history tells us that there was a real man that lived, his name was Jesus Christ, and our whole dynamics of our world has changed because he came. It's a historical fact. So when we look at it from the broad spectrum, we're like, oh, well, he came for the world. But see, if you're not careful, you'll lose the dynamic. No, he came for me. See, there's a special blessing in the Christmas message, which is often missed by many. And by the way, I think this is done the older we get. The birth of Jesus Christ is not simply an interesting fact, although it is a fact. And it's not something that's not wholly related to our life because it is related to our lives. I'm going to say this to you. What you do with Jesus Christ is the most important decision you'll ever make. Can I say that the Christmas has to do with you? Christmas has to do with me. It's dynamic because it's personal. It's personal. When the angel announced the birth of Jesus Christ to the shepherd, I want you to notice the pronouns. And I'm glad they're there. By the way, we believe that God's word is inerrant. That means it's without error. We believe that. We believe that it's been revealed. What does that mean? That means that if God did not reveal his word, we wouldn't have it. But I'm glad he revealed his word. Do you know that most knowledge that all of us have comes from Revelation? 
I was talking to Mr. Aiden earlier today, and he's an electrician. And I said, where did you learn most of your knowledge on how to be an electrician? He said, another electrician revealed it to me. Most of our knowledge is revealed. So when we think about the Bible, it amazes me. We live in a day where people think this book is an old archaic book that was just written by a bunch of men. No, God revealed it. God made sure we had it. Then the Bible says it's inspired. What's that mean? It means God breathed. As I'm speaking to you today, and as the air of my voice coming through, as my breath is going across the vocal cords of my neck or my mouth for you to be able to hear my voice, that's exactly what God did when he breathed his word. He breathed his word through men, and men wrote down his word. And then I'm thankful that not only we believe in revelation, we believe in inspiration, God breathed, it originated with God, not with man. I'm glad he promised to preserve it. Because if we look at it down through the years, what do you mean, Pastor? You believe that book don't have any errors in it? We might believe that God wrote it and that he inspired it and it revealed. But through the years, you know how people are. We make mistakes, but see, it wasn't left in the hand of man to keep his word. God said in the book of Psalms, he said, I will keep them. He promises he'll keep his word. So I'm glad I have the preserved word of God. I have the inspired word of God, and I have the revealed word of God. Aren't y'all glad? I'm glad. That's why we should never minimize the Bible. By the way, the very fact that everyone's tried to destroy it and that it's still here tells you something. It's indestructibility of the word of God. But I'm thankful as we read this story, the Bible tells us, and not one little jot or tittle, not one letter, not one phrase, there's error in it. So as these angels came and gave this word to these shepherds, I am so glad that he said, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And here's what he said. He said, and this is to just a select people, not all people. And then he he doubled, he doubled down on that and said, hey, for unto you. So in other words, he made this message very personal to the shepherds. And by the way, it's very personal to us too. By the way, for he was born for you. He was born for me. That makes everything change. That makes everything more dynamic. When we get up on Christmas morning and there's a gift there that has my name on it, I don't say, okay, anybody can open it. Why? Because that gift's mine. If your name's on that gift, that gift's yours, and you're not going to say, oh, well, anybody can have it. No, that becomes personal then, amen, especially if you us men's getting a shotgun, amen. For me, maybe a crossbow. But have you ever thought of Christmas this way? You. Yours. Personal. Can I, I told our church in the first Sunday of this month, there ain't going to be no Scrooges around here. And I said, ain't. Because you know what, I, I'm going to be honest with you, some of the biggest Scrooges in life that I meet around Christmas time is Christians. You know why? Ah, it's just Christmas, that's just another day. No, it's not another day. It's the day Jesus Christ came to this earth for you. He cared enough about you and he cared enough about me to come. That's not just an any ordinary day. That's specific. That's personal. So have you ever thought of Christmas this way? That it was for you Jesus was born. 
It was for you that these angels said to the shepherds that there's a Savior which is born. I love it. I'm glad. It wasn't just a message for the shepherds. It wasn't just a sign for the wise men. When God sent His Son into this world, He came for you. For God so loved Mark that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. He came for me. He came for you. Look, there's a personal touch to the Christmas message. You were on his mind on Christmas Day. You say, oh, a little baby can't think. This baby did. He knew I was there. Hey, you were on his mind on Christmas Day. It was for you that Jesus came. That's why I love to hear the children. Look, I even said to my wife, there's a lot of potential up on this platform. That moves me when I see all these children and to think what God could do with them. Oh, or we might say, well, they need a good career. I'm looking at a young person that what can God do with their life? I want you to know it's a beautiful thing. You were on his mind. God has a purpose for you. He has a purpose for me. He did not come just merely to be a good man. You know, we live in a day where people say, oh, well, Jesus was a good man. He was a great teacher. No, he was more than that. We come across good people and good teachers all the time. They don't change the world, and they certainly can't change my heart, but Jesus can. See, here's why. Jesus came specifically to be your Savior. To be your Savior and to save you and me from our sin. And by the way, we're all sinners. Now look, let's just be honest with one another. There's things we've thought today, if we knew anybody else knew them, we'd be embarrassed. Let's just be honest. Pastor, we're in church, but I'm telling you truth. We clean ourselves up and say, oh, I'll tell you what. And here's what most people say, oh, I can't go to church. They're a bunch of hypocrites. Can be. I'm just going to shoot straight with you. Should we be? No. But you know what? We're all sinners. We've all sinned. By the way, we've all got skeletons in our closet. That's why Jesus came. See, here's what's amazing. See, we need a Savior. Here's what's amazing to me. He came to save us from our sins. Now, here's what's amazing. If our greatest need would be information, God would have sent us an educator. And by the way, we live in a day now where we, we re- and by the way, I'm for education. But there's something more important than education. It's wisdom. Wisdom comes from God. You don't learn that from a book. Now, I'm for knowledge, but I'm going to tell you something right now. Our world would be in a whole lot better shape today if we had the wisdom of God. I'm thankful. I know what one plus one is, two plus two. And by the way, I failed general math in the eighth grade. Hey, I had to take a dummy course to get into college. I'm just being honest. Hate math. How many of y'all with me? Say amen. And I've still been chasing that elusive X. Amen. Still ain't found it. That Y and X. Still chasing it. Still looking for it. But look, I'm going to be honest. I know what four plus four is and eight plus eight. But I'm going to tell you right now, that's not going to help you pick and choose who you should marry. You know what, that that only comes from the wisdom from God. And by the way, that's more important than knowing four plus four. 
the wisdom of God. I mean making decisions that only God can help us with that you don't read in a book. Somebody said, well, Pastor, you went off to college and went to Bible school, and I thank God for my training, but I learned something. There was a whole lot in that training that didn't, didn't help me for what I was getting ready to face. What do we all need? We need the wisdom of God. And I'm glad he came so we can have it. He said, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. So if he came just to give us information, God would have sent us a teacher. He would have sent him an educator. He didn't send us an educator. Hey, if he wanted us, if our greatest need had been money, he'd have sent us an economist. And by the way, we need people to learn what economy is. Amen. We need some economists now. That got quiet, but it's true. Somebody say amen. How many of y'all realize you're paying a whole lot more gas for today than you were several years ago? There's a reason for that. Economists. Have y'all, did anybody ever study economy? And, and that in school, financial economy? Did anybody say that? I mean, I, I mean there's, there's certain fundamental principles of that. But see, God said your greatest need is not to get money because if he did, he'd have sent us an economist. Here's what's amazing about Christmas. If our greatest need was pleasure, he would have sent us an entertainer. We all like to be entertained, but God says, that's not what I'm sending. That's not why Jesus is coming, because everybody down there needs entertainment. What is their greatest need? Here it is. Y'all ready? He knew our greatest need is we need to be forgiven for our old nasty sin. So you know what he sent? He sent us a Savior for you and for me. And I can be saved from my sin. I don't deserve it. I don't feel worthy of it. But I'm so glad that's why he came. So I can be saved from my old sin. The longer I live, you know what I say? Oh, wretched man that I am. You know what? I'm going to be honest. I don't even know how God loves me. But I'm glad he does. It's love that is absolutely, it's, 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 it's eternal love. Our greatest need was forgiveness, you know what? So he sent us a Savior. Can I help everyone to make this Christmas personal? Make it personal and it'll be dynamic. Don't get lost in the crowds. Be thankful that a Savior came to save you personally. Jesus was the sacrifice for our sin. He died on the cross for you. He suffered everything that he suffered for you. The Bible tells us in Psalm 22 that he was poured out like water. Nobody wants to talk about the crucifixion, but historians tell us, Josephus tells us that most men under the Roman Empire, when they were taken to the cross to be crucified, they never made it to the cross. Josephus tells us that one, two out of three men that was scourged. Now that's a Roman practice where they, would, they knew exactly how to do it, but they would, they, would, they would put the criminal's arms taut where it would expose all of their back. They would pull all that skin tight, and then they would have a cat of nine tails. It would be like a, a pole. Not as big as a bat, but it would be stiff. But on the end of that, they would have straps of leather with bone and maybe glass, whatever they could get. And they'd have that strapped to those leather straps. That's why it was called a cat of nine tails. 
And they would position the criminal and they would get his hands taut where all this was exposed. And so there'd be a soldier that all he did was scourged people. And he would take that flagrum and he would wind up like he was trying to hit a home run. And all of that would crank into that person's skin. And when he'd rip it, it would rip furrows across the back. Jesus Christ was done that way. Josephus tells us that most men that endured that never made it to the cross. I'm not trying to be ugly. Could you imagine what was hanging out of that man's back? He usually bled to death before he ever got to the cross. But the Lord Jesus Christ did all of that for you. For me. I think this Christmas needs to be a little bit more personal. So Christmas is a personal message from a personal God who personally loves you and me. An ancient Scottish legend has this story. A shepherd boy was tending a few sheep on the side of a mountain. One day while wandering in the wilderness, he came to a huge cave. There was a door to the cave and it was closed. And he was looking around. He noticed a very beautiful flower. The boy knelt down and pulled out the flower in his hands and he was admiring it when suddenly there was a loud noise. He looked up and saw the doors to the cave opening up right before his eyes and there were bright lights that shined from the inside of the mountain. With the flower still in his hand, the shepherd boy rushed inside and his eyes widened because he saw piles of sparkling gold and diamonds, precious stones, jewelry. He began to gather all of them up in his arms. Finally, with all that was in his arms could carry, the boy turned and started to leave the cave. Suddenly, the voice called out and said, Don't forget the best. Thinking that perhaps he had overlooked some choice piece of treasure, the boy turned around and quickly picked up additional pieces of priceless treasure. As his arms literally overflowed from the treasure, he began to run out of the mountain again. And the voice called out and said, Don't forget the best. But the boy's arms was filled and he hurried outside and all of a sudden there was a loud noise and the boy looked around and saw the mountain cave closing its doors. A third time the shepherd boy heard the voice and this time it said, you forgot the best for the beautiful flower is the key to the vault of the mountain. We look for happiness in this world. We gather all we can gather in this world and we get our arms plumb full of everything this world has to offer. Yet I'm afraid we have forgotten the best. Say, Pastor, that's just preaching. No, you come with me. You come with me when I get a phone call and someone's dying. You come with me. I'll let you come today. I'll tell you how it goes. I'll walk into a hospital bed or into maybe a little home where there's a little bed there and there's someone there and they're dying. I will tell you then, everyone realizes then what's most important and who's the best. When there's no more treasure to seek, when there's no more things to have and to entertain and enjoy in this world, when life is narrowed down to death, I'm going to tell you something right now. I know the difference when someone's not forgotten the best. I have been in the room. When people have died and they've not forgotten the best and they thank God, they know in just a short while they're going to be ushered into heaven. But I've also walked into a room where a man, can I just say it, it was horror. 
It was horror. I walked in the room. The man was lost. He had never lived for the Lord. He never cared anything about God, nothing. And even on his deathbed, he still, he held that same position till his last breath. But I'm going to tell you something right now. I cannot explain to you the horror that was in that room. But yet, if you come with me and someone that's been saved and they know the Lord and they've not forgotten the best, when that day comes, I'll show you someone that has dying grace. I'll never forget Miss Pearson as she was passing away. I'm being honest. I walked in the room. Her son had called me and said, Pastor, would you please come down? The doctors have just given my mother hours to live. Hours. I went down to Memorial. I think it was Erlanger Hospital. I walked in that room expecting to be somberness in there. Man, I walked in that room, and that little old lady, she was sitting there in that bed with the biggest smile on her face, and here's exactly what she said to me. She says, now, Pastor, she said, the doctor just left, and she said, he's just told me in a few hours I'm going to go to see Jesus. Ah. Woo! I was like, woo, that helps. I already knew she was saved because, see, her son had never attended church. And she came one day, years ago. He had never attended church. He had never walked in a church building. And she come up to me right back here in the back, and she said, Pastor, I'm so excited. I had never met the woman. She said, Pastor, I'm so glad to be here. She said, I'm witnessing a miracle today. And I'm like, ma'am, who are you? She told me her name. I introduced herself. And she said, I'm so-and-so. And she said, I'm seeing something I never thought I'd see. She said, my son's here today at church. Believe it or not, boy, as soon as that invitation was given, her son came down this aisle just to weep, boy, and he got saved that day. I believe it was because it was a praying mama. And I'll never forget when I walked in that room, she says, Now, Pastor, she said, The doctor just left, and I have just a few more hours, they tell me, to go meet Jesus. And boy, we got to singing. Amazing grace. Boy, them old boys started crying. Boy, she was just smiling. I prayed with her and left. I'm going to tell you right now, I did not even get to the uh, coming around the river, I get a phone call. He says, Mama's passed. I'm going to tell you right now, y'all can look for it here in this world if you want to, but you ain't going to find it. It's temporary. And when you're on that deathbed, you're going to hope you wish you never forgot the best. And I'm going to tell y'all right now, the best is Jesus. And I hope you know him. If you don't, you're in a good place. We can introduce you to him today, and you can walk out this building. You say, oh, do you believe it? I know it. Because the Bible teaches, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, how many of y'all are whosoever? That means everybody. Believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That means you won't ever lose it. That means you become a child of God, and I'm glad I'm a child of God. And listen, we should never forget the best. Jesus Christ is the best. And I'm glad he's our personal Savior. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. I'm glad, Brother Saunders, that I'm not just a number to God. I'm glad he knows me. Amen. And I'm glad I know him. Let's stand to our feet today and I'm going to ask you, would you be honest? Everybody is supposed to be honest in church, right? I've heard that all my life. Well, you're in church. Well, you ought to be honest, period. No matter where we are. But would you bow your head, close your eyes just a minute? Would you be honest? And nobody else is looking. I, I just want to give an opportunity here. 
You say, Pastor Brandon, I'm here this morning. I am 100% for sure. I know I don't deserve it, but boy, I have trusted Jesus as my Savior, and I know he saved me, and I am so thankful for that. How many of you know that by way of testimony? Would you slip your hand up? That is, isn't that a blessing? Isn't that great that you know that? Can I ask this question? So, Pastor Mark, I'm here this morning, and I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know for sure if I die, I'm going to heaven. I've never looked at Christmas this way, and Jesus Christ, I've never accepted him as my personal Savior. You say, that's me, Pastor. Would you please pray for me? I promise you, I'm not going to embarrass you. By the way, it's not an embarrassing thing anyway. You say, that's me, Pastor. I don't know for sure if I die, I'm going to heaven. Is there anyone like that this morning? Would you just slip your hand up where I can see it? So I can pray for you. Is anyone like that? How many of you want to make Christmas personal this year? How many of you glad that he died for you? How many of you glad he raised from the dead for you? How many are you glad that he gave us the Holy Spirit that we might live for him in this old wicked world? We have so much to be thankful for. Don't forget the best. He's the key to all of life. Miss Lars going to play something on the piano. We're going to close in prayer. We pray the Holy Spirit of God will work in people's hearts. This is not just a sermon. It's not a speech. I hope it will stir our hearts to change some things that need to be changed. That's the goal. Say, well, I've kind of gotten in that place where, you know, Christmas is just Christmas. Well, that's why that message is so important. Stir your heart. Make it personal. He's your personal Savior. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. Lord, we thank you for the Christmas season. Lord, help us never to forget the best. You're the best. Thank you for loving us so much that you died for us. You gave your life, your blood for us that we might be saved. Again, I pray you'll work in our hearts. Lord, if there's someone here and they're not saved, I pray you won't let them go to sleep tonight until they get it settled. Lord, I pray if there's someone here today that they don't know you as their Savior, that you'll, they'll not have any peace until they come to you. Well, thank you for what you do, for we ask it in the precious name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said. God bless you. Have a great day. Merry Christmas. Your children are over in the gym.